bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan World. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan World. Welcome to a incredibly special, the most special episode of The Hopeless Show yet. This episode is entirely based on the show The Undoing, even though it might be based on even more than that. We're going to dig deep because we almost had it in our last episode, but I hadn't finished the show yet. So Rohit, because he's a kind soul, wanted me to finish the show before we dove into the, the depths and the, what we thought of this show and, and what it meant to us. And Rohit, why don't you take it away since you were going to introduce it originally? Yeah. So, and I think that, you know, this is an experimental format for The Hopeless Show. Let us know if you guys like it, where we can, you know, spend a shorter, a much shorter, dedicated, like an episode dedicated to one specific topic in pop culture or something that's happening. Um, so we're trying it out and let us know if you like it and how you feel. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, you know, I wanted to discuss the show, The Undoing, and, you know, it's sort of taken the internet by storm, and both you and I um, did not watch it live because we wanted to binge it all at once um, Mm -hmm. instead of waiting and torturing ourselves with that painful um, sort of week-by-week cadence. Um, And I think for listeners out there, if you haven't watched it, don't listen to this episode. Watch it and then yes. listen to the episode um, yep. because it will be completely spoiled for you. And if you have, maybe this will be a great sort of companion. Now, I think the first question, Aaron, I want to talk about is before we really discuss who did it, um, <laughs> let's talk about who we thought might have done it and why. Um, okay. Yeah. A good first question. So The Undoing, mm-hmm. as we know, is about uh, – it's, it's a whodunit. We're going to get into if it actually is a whodunit later, but it's a whodunit. So it's like set up with all these different clues of who might have done it. So at the, I had, I watched the first four plus episodes of the six episode series in one night because I was getting very, very curious who did it. And after the beginning of the fifth episode, I was still convinced, which I had always been convinced, that Nicole Kidman, who plays Grace in the show The Wife, the main character, that she had done it. Part the and uh, and if not her, I thought it was her dad, played by Donald Sutherland. Two reasons: I thought if it wasn't one of them, the show was pointless, and two, uh, all the different. Red herrings and MacGuffin, they, all this MacGuffins, all the stuff they'd set up. It felt, and even her performance felt like it had to be her, but it, with some crazy twist at the end. Because if it's not her, none of it makes sense. Like this show actually doesn't make any sense. But I thought you could also throw it to the dad, Donald Sutherland, because one, he's a big name, big part of the show until the end when he kind of disappears for a while. And two, he just, he felt like the second person who maybe had motive to do it. Um, she had to do it so she could preserve their bullshit Upper West, Upper East Side yeah. family. Let, 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 and let's, then let's, he let's, had the same. Let's let's go on one character at a time. So let, let, let's, let's work off of Grace. Now, I think um, from the beginning, 
if we were just to like imagine Grace as that suspect, as you're saying, you know, she is the storyteller. And I think, you know, HBO generally has, you know, always taken risks with the, with sort of their storytelling. And I think one of those risks that you could imagine is an unreliable narrator. You know, it's a device that you see in film Mm -hmm. and books from time to time. Um, And I think what got me was when the police officer, the detective um, played by that dude, I've definitely seen in other movies and stuff um, with the beard. Um, uh, Let's let's call him the dude and other stuff. Yeah. His name is uh, detective Joe Mendoza on the show. And he's Edgar Ramirez. Edgar Um, Ramirez. He's been in a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So I guess he's been in, yeah, other things I have not seen, but I guess I thought I did. Anyway, um, when he's interviewing her and she's asking about the, the, the CCTV footage and he's like, she's like, did you see anybody else leaving the apartment? Maybe there's somebody else walking by. He's like, well, actually we saw you. And at that moment I was like, Oh no, is she like blacking out. Did she kill her? Like blacked out or is she like psychotically lying to herself? And that's what got me. Um, is that what sort of led you to believe that you know, did, when they, the story, the, the storytellers led you down that path is that kind of where you started to bite on her or did you get it earlier with grace really early because of her performance because of this kind of cold but it wonky it went like in a lot of different places from like caring about the husband to caring about the son to caring about the but also not wanting a lawyer like she never wanted a lawyer no matter what Uh, and i just thought well that's stupid like and she's from this rich upper East side family. So if you don't want a lawyer, like, like, you know, like none of her character in the performance of it, the way she presented grace made any sense unless it was her. So yes. And the walking, um, she lives in the upper West side, upper East side, I believe. And she's walking. She goes on random walks in Harlem, which is very far away. So you don't actually really go on random walks in Harlem randomly past the scene of the murder if you're not it doesn't doesn't that it's like me i live in west hollywood saying you know i just randomly decide a lot of times to go on random walks in anaheim yeah it's true it's true and to clear my mind so i think i started to eliminate grace you know even after they they let it because i just felt like honestly like it wasn't through any sort of circumstantial evidence i just felt the idea of an unreliable narrator would piss off too many people like it was almost like the whole idea of, oh it was all a dream type thing and I oh we'll get like, to that yeah um i think i'm with you i think my number one suspect was um the, the patriarch of the family, um, you know, played by Donald Sutherland, he's mentioned, you know, the, the grandpa, um, and, uh, his name was Franklin Reinhardt. Um, who played he's kind of like father. the J Paul Getty, like the Getty yeah. figure, like the rich guy who doesn't really care about anyone that much. Yeah. And here's two reasons why I thought he did it. And I'm not including the part where they show, they cut to him, like staring outside of the, the, you know, <laughs> the house of the, of the, the white woman he murdered um, uh, or the apartment. I think the two reasons, one, he's staring um, to be specific at the husband of the person who got murdered. Yes. For reasons that would lead you to believe, keep going. Yes. So he's always hated his son-in-law played by Hugh, Hugh Grant, always hated him. 
So I think, you know, it's almost like this a father's desperation, especially after he's been lied, he lied to by the son-in-law, money, swindled of money. He's like, I want this dude out of my daughter's life. And I thought, okay, that seems like a very obvious motive. But the next one is I thought that it might be a sort of um, uh, sociopolitical play on the power of wealth and how mm-hmm. wealth may sort of protect people or often does actually protect people from uh you know prosecution and it can you know like he's the one with the high-powered lawyers he's the one that has all the means to sort of bend the world to his will as shown as how he when his grandson was getting kicked out of school because the school didn't want to be the private school didn't want to be associated with this drama he was like i will destroy you he literally threatened that principle of that school. And it's like, to me, that was a show of power. So I really, at that moment, I was like, 100%, it was Donald Sutherland. No question. Um, and then I had another character, which we'll get to later, but I want to hear your thoughts about Donald Sutherland's. Uh, yeah, I think he was the second person. And also, also just, I was hoping throughout it that one of them, because they're this upper New York, you know, high establishment family. And you kind of want to see the downfall of them. I wanted to see one of them go down as like, like in the end you think they're, they think they're going to get, get away with it. But in the end they can't because our society right now needs that to show that certain people can't get away with things. And I was just hoping that would, there would be some twist. They think they were getting away with it. Then they'd get caught because of something that we'd seen before and something we didn't realize was important. Like any whodunit does well. And so for the patriarch to go down after getting away with everything his whole life would be great. Yeah, especially like, you know, even, even when they revealed like how like he was a philanderer, you know, and he cheated on his wife, Grace's mother, many times she didn't even know. That to me felt like it was another reveal of just his dark side and how it never he never truly paid the price for it. Um, no. And so I really thought that ended up being so obvious. And I know that your top two were – if, I, if I'm correct, your top two were Grace and Donald Sutherland. Uh, you were, were the characters yes. placed by, played by um, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman and Donald Sutherland. My top two was the grandfather, played by Sutherland, mm-hmm. and the son. Oh. Now, yep. it's, it's, and this is even before, um, you know, they found, I guess, uh, the son, you know, the grandson, Henry, you know, plays Henry Fraser. Um Played by Noah Jupe, um, I guess he he must be what twelve years old or something or ten years old somewhere. And he's British, age. but plays he, American. He does a yes. far better American accent than Nicole Kidman. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, they literally. Yeah, the family was between Nicole Kidman and the son. It was like Nicole's Aussie, and then you had two British people playing this like this this nuclear family. None of them are American, but they all really played good Americans. But yeah, the kid played with a great accent. I thought the kid actually was the one I was hoping. Well, I thought Donald Sutherland, the grandfather, was the obvious choice. I thought the son was a hopeful one who I did it. And I think it was even before he, she found the hammer uh, in his um, – mm-hmm. in, in the modeling the, mod, the clay modeling hammer in his uh, violin case. Violin, yeah. which we'll and get to. I was like, I'm actually really thrilled. I hope it's the kid because I was joking with Ina on the couch. I was watching. I was like, oh, it's, it's totally going to be the son. Um, but I was thinking that it might be the darkest result. And for the, the motives for him to doing it was like, 
he wanted to protect his family, but to take a life at such a young age and also like the son of, you know, there's this old saying that, you know, the son of uh, a cobbler wears the worst shoes. I butchered that statement, but it's like, you know, it's someone that fixes shoes personally. The kid never has good shoes. It's just like, you know, it's just like, like that's how life is. So it's almost like the son of a man that heals people is a killer himself. And I thought there was this beautiful sort of like, like perversion to that. Um, and just sort of like just to have, have just like this inverse relationship. And I just thought that would have been the darkest ending. It would have been possibly the most controversial. Um, it would have been great. No, it would have yeah, been a I great would have ending. Loved it. Um, that would have been great because also again, the the um finally the generations catch up to this shitty family and he would be the so like you only could get so far and then this that the youngest generation is the one that actually is the undoing of the um the rich rich like staring at art family they love to stare at art yes the 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 rich you know heir to two generations of mega wealthy people you know like yeah. it's he it, did it. it's yeah and i thought and and he he seemed to be the nicest person in the whole show you know um, and it would it just have been like, perfect. That would have been I would great. have loved it. Um, but sadly, that was not the killer. Let's move on to the killer. There's other people that we really suspected. I mean, they they planted seeds for a few other characters, too. But I don't know if we need to get into it because we can go right to what did happen and then our thoughts on this. Yes. And that's when we get to what I find hopeless. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes. So let, let's talk about who actually done it. And that is the guy the person, from the very The guy from the very beginning. Yeah. The one who was uh, Hugh Grant, who they suspected from the very beginning. He was the guy who they thought would have done it. And then he did it. And then they had like a 30-minute different show at the end where the rich people were helicopter chasing him. Yeah, it's like part of me. I was just like, you know, when they are like going on their little helicopter chasing a car thing, I was like, man, I wish I was uber wealthy so that because I wonder how many you know child abductions happen where they take the parents in a helicopter. Um, I think I, I don't know if that's because you know I'm sure children are abducted every day. I doubt there's very many helicopter chases um, that <laughs> invite the family. Like it's yeah. Only if you're super rich and entitled, you get to yes. join it. Well, can I, Rowan, can I ask you this? Yes. Because I think there's so much to dissect in, in the undoing. Um, I guess, how would you sum up at the end of watch of six hours of television, six hours of television that they probably spent about a hundred million dollars on that had big names in it. Huge writer, David E. Kelly, um, created the show giant budget everything what was what was your in one sentence how would you describe what you felt what you thought of the show at the end of the show i think my takeaway besides my me not being thrilled with who the actual killer was was that i felt gratefulness because i thought there were three phenomenal shows that were on television this year that came out in 2020 i was grateful for first was the undoing um another one was lovecraft country another hbo show and the third was queen's gambit on netflix three shows that i thought were masterfully produced amazing stories just great characters wonderful production value and 
you know, TV is truly, truly in its, in its golden era. Um, and I was, I'm so grateful that we don't have to wait every couple of years for shows like this. We know we might even get another one before the end of the year. So I felt grateful. That was my, that was my first sort of thought because I enjoyed every bit of this ride. But then as it started to settle, I felt honestly, this is getting my hopefulness. I felt a bit disappointed. And Aaron, tell me if you did this, like even when we found out, even when it was revealed through the flashbacks that, 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 you know, Dr. Jonathan Frazier did murder his lover. I still kind of wanted him to get away with it. And even still, I was still super pissed off when the, um, when, uh, his wife's best friend, the lawyer lady, when she like sold him out to the prosecutor I was like, yo, he got sold out. This is bullshit. Even though I'm like, wait a second, he's a killer. But still, he's the he's the guy that we grew to like in the show because he's funny and he's nice. You know, it's like one of these things. It's, and I felt very conflicted he's knowing Hugh he's Grant. a damn killer. How yeah, can he's not Hugh, like Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, he's like, so what? He kills a few people. Whatever. Um, yeah. He's So, yeah, I felt like, you know, doesn't make me a bad person because it's all fiction. But, um, yeah, I was like bummed that he didn't get away with it. Well, okay, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, my first reaction, so the moment the show ended, I turned to Kim and I said, that was the biggest pile of trash I've ever watched. Oh, shit. Do tell. Well, let me get, Would you? can I start? Yes. With a few things? Yes. So... The broad scope of why. To me, it is expensive, pompous filmmaking or television show, soap opera making possible. It is incredibly pompous and arrogant in every sense of the word. This is David E. Kelly's Cats. This is his, like, disaster where he just, a great writer, very big talent. You know, Ally McBeal, of course, is a groundbreaking show and so all the other stuff he's done. But... This was an absolute atrocity to me. It was pompous, arrogant people making a pompous, arrogant show and not giving a shit about the audience watching it. Second, you have a hundred, you have all this money. Are you going to make a show about a family or are you going to make a whodunit? They made a whodunit and then at the end they expect you to care about the family. I wanted Nicole Kidman's character to die. The son can go if you want. Donald Sutherland could go. The only person, as you said, that I was like, well, you know, he's, in spite of everything, you know, you're most interested in Hugh Grant. Uh, all that being said, from a story-making perspective, this story, the writing, was crafty because it's David E. Kelly who knows how to write dialogue. Everything led you to nowhere. It was constant red herrings, constant MacGuffins, constant places that led you to nowhere constantly. So I would compare it to a bad episode of Murder, She Wrote, drawn out over six hours. And and if Murder, She Wrote, if you don't know what it is, it was an old like Angela oh, yeah. thing that she saw. Agatha Christie. Yeah, so just like simple. It was like a bad one, like where they like had the bad Murder, She Wrote episode. Some examples... Can I tell you of, of a few things Please. as to why this was David E. Kelly's Cats? And Cats was made by Oscar-winning director Rob Marshall. Uh, so 
everyone can have their stinker. It was like, we're going to make all the rich, pompous people in New York be the winners, including in our society where you like, so they all win. Like the, the rich family just gets away with it from Nicole Kidman to her dad. They just get away with it and get to fly and watch him. He, Hugh Grant, who, uh, like, you know, kind of worked his sociopathic way up to in society, gets caught, did it. And it all could have been done in one episode because none of the red herrings were truthful or led to anything. An example, a Harvard graduate, cancer-curing guy like Hugh Jackman wouldn't throw the hammer into the water. He puts it in a pile of wood. Uh, if you're a smart dude like that and have created all this stuff your whole life to lead to this life, you wouldn't throw that hammer in the water. Uh-huh. Another one, um, the hammer in the violin. So the son, ever since this murder happened, he carries his violin case everywhere he goes. So you're telling me that everywhere he goes, he's carrying a hammer instead of a violin? And a violin in his other hand. Yeah, it's like yeah, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, another one. The one of the cooler characters was the really tough African American attorney that Donald Sutherland hires to be uh, the attorney for uh, uh, Hugh Grant. Yep. But at the end, of course, the the white woman with the Australian New York accent, even though she's from New York, but does a terrible New York accent, Nicole Kidman. Uh, gets outsmarts the black attorney. So that's societally, if you want to get into that, just again, showing the white people get away with everything. Um, one big thing is we mentioned Grace walking in Harlem, which is miles from her place. So she just goes on leisurely stroll, strolls and happens to stroll right by the place where the woman who gets killed gets killed right when it happens. That just makes no sense. There's no even log- even part sense to it unless it was a clue to something. So there were just so many clues that that led to nothing. The husband of of the murder victim stalked Grace, if you remember. So that uh, led yes. to nothing. Yes. Donald Sutherland stalked people. That led to nothing. And I'm, I could go on with some more, but I'll, I'll let you chime in. Uh in, in general, I thought this show was like was the end of society as we know it because enough people have liked it, but a lot of people haven't because so many people have watched it. I just thought it was everything bad about everything right now, including at the end how there's a chase where they get to be the chasers, the rich white people uh, from upper New York. It was just and I haven't been able to watch TV since. Also, I've watched football. But I, I can't start another show because this disgusted me so much. You know, Aaron, you make some really excellent points. And what you've actually got me wondering is if maybe part of my or much of my influ- my opinion was pre-influenced by all the hype and all the press and everything. It's beautiful. I'm like, oh, of course, it's a beautiful piece of thing. Now, I will agree with you in a few areas. The whole violin thing, yeah, was stupid. The hammer thing was also really stupid. Um, and... Uh, I felt like there are certain elements that they could have played up harder. I thought that they shouldn't have made the detectives sort of fall off the story. Like the last three episodes, I like, I wish that there was, you know, more of that sort of police, uh, 
like I wish they they made them also questionable characters, but believable versus like doofuses in the courtroom, um, because they were so you know like they were such a part of the story in the first couple episodes. Um, so that would be kind of more interesting. Uh, and like, again, like I wish the ending was more with the kid did it. And, um, or what about the two of them? What about Hugh Grant and her actually did it together and they add up different pieces and show some stuff we didn't see. And they actually combined did it. Then that's more interesting. And then they yeah. both go down. Like but that's that, more that, interesting. Yes. But then that would negate a lot of her drama and her, you know, her back. And but it's forth, all negated like, anyway. So my point is that anything that you can say, it's all negated anyway by him doing it. None of it mattered. All the setups, all of the, um, all of the pieces they planted, the six hours that we spent in one hour, the first hour of the show, the whole story was told. That was it. Yeah. We knew who did it. He went away, even leaving his phone. Anyone smart would bring their phone on a drive for a bit and then throw it into the woods somewhere so no one would know where he went. But they wouldn't, he wouldn't leave it at his house. Like, we know how these things can play out. You throw it in the woods. You put it in somewhere like an hour away. So they don't, and then you go the opposite direction. So they really just, so no one can, so the wife can't just find you right away because you call her and hear the phone. Or one other thing, if you can tell this show made me a like incredibly mad on top of just it having great production value. So it's so expensive and beautiful and like well shot. But remember, Nicole Kidman has all these flashbacks so many flashbacks that are directly what happened to the, to the woman and very vivid. And they do those close-ups of her yeah, eyes and all yeah. that, all that bullshit. So you're saying she's a witch and she like knew what well, you know, happened. Those were her fear. Like the, 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 the background of the place where those were taking place was always changing. It went from her bedroom to the beach house, to the studio. Every time she learned more, she was taking that vision of her husband and her husband's lover, where they were like mating was always in a different place. And it was like, as the story's developed, they started to like clear up a little bit more. Like it was like earlier on in the, in the story, like when she was having those visions, it was like, it was clear. It wasn't, it wasn't clear. It was like shorter. And then she got more details. It started to become more visceral in her head. And I, I kind of thought that was an interesting way to bring the audience along with how she is perceiving her husband. Cause I think, I think what the story did well is mm -hmm it puts you on the same journey as she did. Like doubt, belief, doubt, belief, heartbreak. Like when he said, like, I was in love with her on the interview, you know, um, like it's, I, you know, I also love someone I love. You learn that at the same time, she learns that when watching it. So I thought the this, this, this show did a really good job of bringing you along her journey and only her. Journey. I wanted her to, I w wanted her to be killed at the end though. I hated her. I want, was like, she's just super annoying. This family is super annoying. So whatever journey, like that would be a different show, a family psychological drama about a family dism dismantling. You didn't never learned about her life. You never learned about anything about them, about how they met, about anything to learn about like them as a couple to remotely care about her at all. Like you, you only kind of see them at pompous social events. And then you see her kiss the person who the girl who dies so like even all that didn't make that much sense like why is donald sutherland at that event like he's randomly at the school function well he's like the number one he's like one of their top donors so i think like that's like that's what they were trying to, to show is the influence that this family has so much so that his son-in-law and his mistress they have that much influence where he can send them to that school that exclusive 
like private right. school, even just to like hush them up. I think it was, you know, it was really, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. So I, I, I still, I think I still really enjoyed the story. I thought that it felt like more sophisticated storytelling, even still with its flaws, more of a sophisticated storytelling than a lot of what we get, because in the end, we all were still guessing, right? Until it was truly revealed, like it, 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 it we all went along that journey. And I think we were all pulling for different people. We were hoping, you know, one thing or another happened. And I think that, you know, the more that we even learned about Jonathan, you know, by played by Hugh Grant, Dr. Fraser, like we grew like, Ooh, that was kind of a scuzzy thing that he did. And like, we, it's like our opinions kept evolving and changing. I thought that was really nice story. Like that was good storytelling. Um, but okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, uh, I think like you may have, you may have convinced me that maybe it wasn't, maybe not a top three show of the year. Um, thus far, but I still think I, it was really good. Um, but I wish the ending was different. I wish somebody like, honestly, like when he took one on that, that, that long road trip, I was really hoping that they would make it to Canada and never be seen again. Um, That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. And then, uh, and then I was hoping I'd get those six hours back, yeah. but the, also I just thought it was overall prestige trash. It's like driving by a really fancy house. And someone saying, that's my house. Look how beautiful it is from the outside. But you go in and it's completely empty. And anything that's in there is fake and doesn't matter. Uh, maybe like, maybe, this, maybe how like you feel. Wooden benches. Maybe how you feel about the show is how I felt about the worst movie I've seen in the history of my life, which was um, Academy Award Best Picture winning uh, recipient in the movie Crash. Um, this was like the year oh. like 2006, 2007, somewhere in that range. It was... The worst thing I remember, I used to work um, in the media industry and it was in New York and we had one of the top entertainment writers from like E or one of those sort of networks, right? He was coming in talking about Oscar picks and this is like the weekend or the week before the Oscars. Um, and so we had a little like sit down with him and we were, he's talking about his picks and, this, and it was like a room of like 30 people and they were going through the top films and the top actors. And when we got to crash and like, he like played that and he's like, oh, this is the perception. And he's like, oh, but you know, it's being nominated because this, this, I, I raised my hand. And I look around, I'm probably like the only person of color in the room. And I'm like, I'm sorry, is it just me? Or am I the only person? Am I crazy? Because I thought this is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. I was so offended because what it was, it was essentially um, one of those movies where it's like, oh, hey, listen, all these mega celebrities are in this, all these different stories, everything's going to tie together, which I think is such a lame trope. And then it was the ultimate like white savior movie. And it was like the the whole thing, like like I think it was Sandra Bullock was in it. I think maybe um, and whoever was Brendan Fraser was in it. Maybe he was. I mean, that was when he was still relevant, the dude. But like the the He's whole idea is relevant. Like, she don't was say racing. that about my Brendan. He's yes. always relevant. Apologies, Brendan. But like whatever, I think it was, might have been Sandra Bullock. But it was like you know, like you know, like the, the white female protagonist. She was super racist, and then she got in a car accident, and she was no longer racist, and because she spent like. 20 minutes with some dude that undid racism. Um, and I was just like, come on. It, it felt patronizing. It felt like it was a movie for like, like just culturally elite white people to like fillet themselves about their wokeness before the word woke was a thing. And it was just like, I thought it was garbage and like harming to minorities pacing as this sort of like people that need to be saved through like the guise of a car through like the metaphor of a car accident. And I was just like, this is, I was, I'm still offended by it and I'm offended that it won best picture and I hated it. Maybe that's how you feel about this. Um, I, but. I'd say what you just, I don't even remember the movie crash enough to give a 
uh, opinion. It didn't make an impact on me one way or another. So I guess I just didn't care. Um, but uh, I'm sure it wasn't my favorite movie of that year because I would remember that. But yes, I feel the same way. I spe- but I feel, especially in 2020, this is like such the wrong show and such the wrong way to tell the show by all these elites who made the show with their zillions of dollars to make it, to to make it all pretty so people are, including myself, are duped into watching trash. So <laughs> I would call this trash and and you can call crash trash. They rhyme. Yeah, like, I mean, crash rhymes trash. The undoing of, the undoing of trash. Uh, yes, it, it made me, I haven't been able to watch TV since and I'm scared to watch another show because it all just, it made me so like furious, just like crash made you so furious. Well, I think then to wrap up, Aaron, at least from my side, I think it's great that we didn't agree. I think yeah. it, it, it's, you know, I think you made some really valid points um, about, you know, maybe there was some vacuousness as well as, you know, it might have been particle board versus, you know, hardwood in terms of what some of the sol- solidness of some of the storytelling was. I I agree. I thought it was pretty. I think it was pretty in the right way. And maybe I looked at it more of a surface level than you did. However, I still wish the kid did it. Um, and it was definitely very fun to spend a dedicated show reviewing a movie with you. Or show. Or series, sorry. So Yes. Um, whatever it was. Yes. Uh, okay. And I'll, I'll give a summary too. Uh, I will give it one positive mark, which is why I would probably give it a 1.1 out of 10. Uh, I thought the Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant version one until he completely changed who his character was and not in a sociopathic. Oh, now I'm a bit different change. He was two completely different performances. Like there was the Hugh Grant for most of the show in the last half hour, Hugh Grant, which didn't even match. I didn't buy the last half hour of him at all, but the first, uh, five and a half hours of Hugh Grant, that guy put on a pretty good acting clinic. And uh, so I give him that. So that gives it, gets it the 0.1. So the 1.1, cause he was very good until the end. The rest of it I think is prestige trash and people in general who like it. And I'm not criticizing you as a person, even though I do look at you differently now. Um, uh, people who do like it, I think are disguising the fact that it's just an expense. They spent a ton of money and just fooled the audience even into thinking they were watching something that was actually just void of anything. Okay. Well then I love that hot take. I think, I think that that's a, that's a very spicy take, especially at that 1.1 review. I think if I was to give it <laughs> out of 10 stars, I would give it a solid 7.1. Um, wow. Yeah. That's pretty I good. Just thought, like I said, I thought it was a really good storytelling and maybe Maybe when I wake up tomorrow, maybe it won't be the same. But um, for those listening out there, we'd love to hear your takes. Tell us, you know, message us with your rating. Give us some questions. You know, we'll read them on our next full episode. And also, if you have any suggestions on what Aaron and I can have a dedicated sort of mini hopeless show reviewing, um, we'd love to take your, you know, take your suggestions. I think one thing, you know, Aaron, I'm thinking of is, you know, Wonder Woman 1984. It's coming out soon. Oh, okay. Uh, So that could be worth it. Or even, you know, there's, there's. There's got to be, I mean, neither of us has seen Tenet yet, right? Nope. So when that comes out, maybe, you know, we even do a distance watching at my place on the 
big home theater or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. like, so like, there's like, I think we can um, make this a regular thing. Cause I think hopeless TV is kind of one of my favorite things about our show. And it's nice to be able to bring it out. So, yeah, especially when it's the undoing of society. And so if you, uh, that's what I would call the show, the undoing of society. Uh, and if you, have a suggestion also of something else that we don't know about that might get me to watch TV again. So just throw us some, throw us a message and we'll both watch whatever it is and give a, give an honest opinion and dissection of what it is that we just watched. Yep. And so until then, thank you for tuning into this very special episode. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess stay tuned for another regularly scheduled hopeless show. Um, you know, coming up. When the world seems gold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogue, it's a hopeless show.